This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. Uh, my name is Joel Libramento. I'm a part of the Dream Team here at the River Church. Our pastor, uh, Pastor Mike, he's not here today. He's actually a keynote speaker at a youth conference in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So he's in the he's in the sip today. And uh, anyway, it's special for him because the guy who led, who's leading the youth conference, uh, was actually a youth in his youth group when he was a youth pastor in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. And if you're unfamiliar with Kosciuszko, Mississippi, that's where Oprah's from. You get a car. So, yeah, she, uh, so he's there. He's, uh, and, and from what I've heard, it's been incredible. And, uh, you know, we, we know every time he speaks, it's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so we're here. And uh, my name's Joel, and I'm excited to be here with you this morning. So, uh, emphatically, turn to your neighbor and just say, good morning. Uh Man, that was that was kind of weak, but uh, I kind of have a little doubt in my mind that it's, you're actually having a good morning. But uh, wow, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna get into the scripture, and then uh, and then I have a message I'm gonna share with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and ter- turn to the book of Luke. It's uh, 22 verses 54 through 62. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, uh, she said, This man was with him too, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you today. Lord, people who have who have been broken and who have suffered in God, I just pray, Lord, that today, God, we find redemption in you. God, I pray, Lord, that we find peace in your presence. God, be with us today. Uh, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're new here at the river, uh, we're actually, this, this is kind of a new location for us. We previously were at the Cinemark, uh, wait, Regal Cinemas? Yeah, Cinemark, in Alliance, uh, and we met in a movie theater. So we actually recently moved to this location here in Wataga, and I don't have time to go through the whole story, but it is undeniable that God has put our church and all of us here for a reason in this city of Wataga. Uh, there's 24,000, about 24,000 people that live in the city of Wataga. That's about 6,000 people per square mile. And I've been praying for our church. I've been praying for our city. I'm like, God, I want to see just your love and your hope flood this city. And, uh, and some, I, was, I was praying the other day, and I prayed a word that's a very dangerous word. And I used the word revival. Uh, yeah, that, it, it's a scary word. And uh, it, what's crazy, when I said revival, you may have thought, uh, you know, like tents, 
You know, like people used to do revivals out in tents. Anybody, y'all, y'all know that? No, okay. Uh, they had used to do revivals out in tents. There'd be these preachers with his big old hair. They'd come traveling through, and they would preach messages that would like go way into the night. Like people would be worshiping into the night. I mean, it's like a long services. That's kind of when we think of revivals, at least in the South. Uh, that's what I grew up going to was revivals like that. But the word revival actually implies this. It implies something that has died and come back to life. Let, can we have church for a minute? Like, I don't know about you, but th- before I met Jesus, man, I was dead. I was dead. I was hopeless. I was, I felt worthless. My life was dark. My soul was a dark place. I felt dead. Can anybody relate to that? And so uh, when, I th- when I think about revival in our city and I think about revival in our own hearts, uh, man, I-, I get excited. I'm praying that God would, uh, allow us to be the agents of change that would that would see revival in our city and and it's interesting because a lot of times in churches we have this like us there's us and then there's them right like there's us in here and then there's them out there but when I'm praying for our city I'm praying I'm looking at these houses and I'm like nah these are our brothers and sisters these are people just like us who have struggled with shame and guilt and suffered and have been in self-destructive lifestyles just like us. And they're out there and they live in these homes. Some of them, they, they don't even, they, they don't associate with people. This, they're broken and they're in our city and they're our brothers and sisters and we ought to pray for them. We ought to pray that God would help their souls come alive. We ought to pray that we become the church that is alive in him so much so that we can go out and show the love of Jesus. And so I, I asked God a question as I was kind of praying for our city, and I asked him this. I said, what needs to happen so that we can be the agents of change you want us to be in our city? This sermon this morning, uh, it's about one thing that paralyzes progress more than anything else in our spiritual life, keeping us from being the world changers God is calling us to be, and that is shame. Whew, Heavy. I, you can hear a pin drop in here. Shame. But you know, it's interesting. Uh, well, first, raise your hand if you know somebody. Uh, this is going to be funny. Uh, raise your hand if you know someone who is impulsive. Kind of overly emotional. Yeah, we all kind of know people like that. Yeah, it's people who, uh, you know, they speak before they think about what they're going to say. They act before they really think about the repercussions. Uh, We all probably know somebody like that. I'm not trying to be tough on Peter right now because that's me. (laughs) Can I get an amen? That's like, that's us. I'm the one that went to Taco Bell yesterday and ordered way too much food without thinking about the repercussions. Okay? I'm the one, I'm the one who has said hurtful things to the people I love without thinking about how it would make them feel. I'm the one that signed a lease and moved my family into what was formerly a crack house. I'm just saying, we, we are people who, who make mistakes, who sometimes are overly emotional. Sometimes we say things that hurt people, and sometimes we have to live with the shame with that. I'm thinking about Peter for a minute. You know, we don't think of, when we think of Peter in the Bible, we don't think of a person like that. We think of Peter as the rock. You know what I'm talking about? Like, remember his name was Simon? And God gave him a new name, Peter, which means the rock. We think of the man. He said, I'm going to build my church on this dude. Peter's the one that got up on the day of Pentecost and preached, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Peter's the one who decided he'd go preach to the Gentiles. Yeah. 
No, I, I doubt. And there may be some people in here are Jewish. A lot of people think I'm Jewish. I'm a Gentile. My name's Joel. I got the dark hair and the big nose. And people literally have thought I was Jewish. But we have the gospel today because Peter decided to preach to the Gentiles. So, man, when we think of Peter, we think of the rock, man. We think of this dude was a superhero. This guy was incredible. But in a lot of ways, he was just like us. He dealt with shame. He dealt, uh, he faced shame just like us. And I kind of want to dive into his story. He started strong. If you've got your Bibles, uh, let's turn to Luke 5. And I'm going to read 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. If you guys, I don't know if you can see it up here, but in my Bible, I have these like just really obnoxious tabs. It's hilarious. They're homemade. I cut uh, post-it notes in half. <clears throat> Innovative. Uh, so Luke 5, 1 through 11. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all of those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were, so were James and John, the Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to the land, left everything, and followed him. This is an interesting story. <laughs> this is where it all sorry. This is where it all starts with Peter. All right, this is the beginning of like something incredible. All right, Jesus shows up. He's kind of a celebrity in the town. Everyone's hearing about him. He had just healed a ton of people. And so he's got such a crowd following him. He Jesus is innovative. He like says, "Hey, I'm going to hop in this boat. Hey, put out a little bit." He's actually teaching from a boat while the crowd sit on the shore. It's awesome. He just happens to get into Simon Peter. Simon Peter's boat, all right? And so Peter's there, he's cleaning his nets, he's listening to Jesus. Something interesting about this text is that Jesus could have been in the, in the temple. He could have been in the temple talking to the Sadducees, the spiritual leaders, but instead he was there with the common folk. Jesus came to the common folk. He, came, he, he could have gone to the Colosseum and got all of the athletes and gladiators who had a following. He could have went to the Sadducees and told them to follow me, but instead he went to people like you and me. He went to the fishermen, the common people. I love that about Jesus. And it just is encouragement to us that no matter who we are, God can use us in incredible ways. And so Jesus is there teaching and he says, uh, <coughs> hey, why don't you put out your nets? Puts out the nets. He catches so, they catch so many fish. The sons of Zebedee got to come over and help them out. That's a lot of fish. The boats are sinking. It's crazy. Peter falls at Jesus's knees and says, Lord, I'm unclean. Go away from me. And Peter, uh, Jesus says, hey, listen, if you follow me, I'm going to make you catch people. I know that's a strange concept. Other texts in Matthew and Mark and John, it says, 
I'm going to make you fishers of men. What Jesus is saying is if you follow me, you're going to be a part of a movement that captures the souls and the hearts of people, souls and the hearts of mankind. He's saying if you follow me and you put away all of that fishing stuff and follow me, we are going to do something incredible. And what's cool is they, they take the boats back in and they, it says they left everything immediately. In the other gospels, it says they dropped their nets and followed him immediately. Let that be an example to us that we may be in a place of shame. We may be struggling with something. We may be uh, in, a, in a difficult situation. But when Jesus says, hey, why don't you follow me? It's best to leave your toxic environment. It's best to distance yourself from those toxic people. It's best to follow him immediately. And that's what Peter does here. Peter follows him. And so do, so do some of the other fishermen. They drop their nets immediately and followed Jesus. I like this too about Jesus. He gets in the boat and he says, why don't you put out, they go fishing and they catch all this fish. It just shows me that Jesus cares about your everyday life. Not just your life here at church, not just when we're in this room. He cares about your everyday life. He came to Peter and he, he helped them catch a ton of fish that was going to affect their families. I love that Jesus cares about you and our lives so much. He wants to be in our every day life. And so Peter starts strong. It's after this that we kind of see Peter's little downward spiral, right? You guys remember? It's a storm on the lake. Disciples are in the, in the boat, right? And Jesus comes walking out on the water. Yeah, trippy. He's walking out on the water to the, to the disciples. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bring me out on the water. And he says, come. And Peter jumps out of the boat. You'll find Peter, if you follow his life, dude jumps out of boats a lot. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking to Jesus on the water. And then he gets distracted by the winds and the waves. He starts to sink and Jesus reaches down and pulls him up. Man, I identify with Peter. Typical Peter, right? Dude gets distracted, starts sinking. Man, I identify with that. How many times have we... We're following God. We want to we wanna live like he, like he does. We want to follow every move that he makes, and we want to be like him, and we get distracted by the trials, the wind, and the waves. Peter's like us. Peter's like us. And then we see Peter move to the upper room. Do you guys remember the Last Supper? Y'all seen that picture, painting, everybody sitting at the table? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Shake your head if you do. Yeah, Last Supper, right? And... uh they show up at the Last Supper. Let's read it. It's in uh, Luke 22, 31 through 34. I'm just going to read the story, uh, just part of the story. Jesus is about to be crucified, and he knows that. He gets all his boys together, and they have dinner. And Jesus has some intimate conversation with a few of the disciples, and Peter's one of those. And so he kind of leans over to Peter, and he, and he says this, uh, 22, 31, through 34. Simon, Simon, remember Simon was his previous name. Jesus changes his name to Peter. So we're talking about the same guy here. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. 
It's an interesting moment here with Jesus. One of the things that I, I kind of take away from this is Jesus knows Peter. He knows he sees the beginning of Peter's walk, and he sees the end. He knows that Peter's going to be that great spiritual leader who spreads the gospel all over the world, but he's letting Peter know you're going to face a trial. The enemy is wanting to sift you like wheat, but I'm praying that your faith may not fail. You know, Jesus is praying for you that your faith may not fail. How many of you guys know Satan wants to sift you like wheat? Yeah, Satan wants you to go down, yeah. But Jesus is praying for you that your faith may not fail, and he sees your journey. He sees what's going to happen, and he loves you. He doesn't shame Peter right here. No, no, no. He's saying, I love you, and I see you. And it says, In fact, he says, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. He already knows the end. He says, when you turn back, because I know you're going to turn back, strengthen your brothers. The other thing that is interesting about this story Jesus knows Peter's heart. He knows that he's half in. He knows that he loves Jesus halfway. Because what he says here is, Peter gives him some lip service. Peter's like, I'll go to jail with you. I will die with you. You better believe it, Jesus. I am all in. But Jesus knows his heart. Jesus says, okay, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Let's fast forward. The next thing that happens is they leave the dinner party and they go into the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember this? Jesus goes up to pray before he's arrested, right? And Jesus is there praying. The disciples are just chilling, sleeping, hanging out at the, at the outside of the garden. And then Judas shows up. Yeah, y'all remember Judas? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Judas shows up with the soldiers and the soldiers show up. And Peter, this is typical Peter, emotional Peter, impulsive Peter. Dude's a fisherman. He's not a warrior. He's not a fighter. Joker pulls a sword out and can't even kill the soldier. He goes to strike the soldier and cuts his ear off. How embarrassing. Typical Peter. Gosh, just, he just does what he feels. He just, uh, oh, my gosh, cuts the dude's ear off. Jesus, typical Jesus. Joker heals his ear right there on the spot. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm just saying, it was an interesting situation. And then we move, I just got to, I had to share that, but then we move on to the courtyard, which we talked about earlier. I read the, the first passage of scripture that we read. And then I'm just going to summarize it because we've already read it. So Jesus, so Jesus has told Peter, look, you're going to deny me. Peter's struggling emotionally. Things are happening in him right now. He tried to strike that soldier and cut the dude's ear off. And then we're in the courtyard, and the scripture says something interesting here. And I'm just going to try to paint this visual for you. Peter is following Jesus. Jesus has been arrested and is being taken at night. And the reason he's being taken at night is because they were putting Jesus on trial illegally under the cover of night. And so Jesus is being taken into where the high priest is. And Peter is following. He can watch, He can see Jesus. And the scripture says G Peter was following Jesus from a distance, from a distance. Some commentaries say that he was following him from a guilty distance. Remember, Peter was just at the Last Supper like, I'll go to jail with you. I will die for you. And all of a sudden, some distance has begun to develop. Yeah, wouldn't you think if Peter was down for that, he'd be right there with Jesus like, cuff me. And he didn't. He was following Jesus from a distance. How many of us in our spiritual life, 
man, we started strong. But now, because of maybe sin or shame in our lives, we're kind of following Jesus from a distance. The story moves on, right? Jesus is taken inside, and the servants come out, and they start a fire to keep warm. <coughs> and one of the servants is like, hey, hey, I saw you with that guy. You're one of the guys that are with him, right? He's like, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Actually, it was a lady. The lady said, uh, he's like, I know you, yet yeah, you were with him. He's like, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Another guy is out there. He's like, yeah, I saw you with Jesus. You're one of his. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Again, another guy keeps insisting, like, yeah, yeah, you're one of his disciples. You're, a, you're Galilean like he is. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the scripture says, while he was talking, he heard a, probably in his mind, a frightening sound. A sound that you don't hear at night. A sound that probably made the hairs on his arms stand up. He heard a rooster crow in the middle of the night. And the scripture says, Remember, Jesus, Peter can see Jesus. Jesus, cuffed, in custody, turns around and looks at Peter. Can you imagine that moment? He was just at the dinner saying, I will die for you. And in that moment, there he stood. His, his master, his friend, turns around to him and looks at him right after the rooster crowed. And Peter is devastated. He's broken. I don't think that Jesus turned around to shame Peter. I don't think he was turning around like, <laughs> I told you. I think Jesus was there. He turned around to say, I see you. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, you can't hide anything from Jesus. Your shame, maybe the mistakes you've made, you can't hide anything from him. And I think that Jesus turned around and was like, Peter, I see you. And it says that Peter went away and he wept bitterly. Here is the one thing I want to share with you today. The one, the main point that I want to, I want to leave with you today. If you're taking notes, write this down. The enemy will try and take something you did and convince you that what you did is who you are. I don't think, I think that Peter wept bitterly, not because he had failed God, but that he was convinced he was a failure. I'm going to talk in spiritual terms right now because understanding and experiencing shame is a common experience among mankind. I don't think that there's anyone in here who has never experienced shame uh, or ever have never done anything wrong to feel and experience shame. And you know what's funny about the enemy? He's so good at getting us to do, make mistakes. We think he's attempt, you know, he's just really good at tempting you. But man, he is really good at making you believe you're not just someone who failed, but you're a failure. And he's really good at taking you and holding you down with that, like keeping you down where you can't really get up. He's really good at that. I know I've experienced this in my life. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were Christians. I went to a really incredible church. It was awesome. It was this inner city church, and I was heavily involved in the church, and I was around people who really wanted to build me up all the time and say, you got a call on your life. You got a purpose in your life. <clears throat> you're going to go do great things. I had a sweet little old lady pray for me one time. She prophesied over me. She said, you're going to be on stages like Joel Osteen. And I was just like, "That's it's just because my name's Joel, isn't it? <laughs> like, okay, hey, you know, you, you, you know, you got to sift. So anyway, uh, so 
I, ha- I just was in a great community of believers that built me up. And then when I got into my teen years, uh, the enemy really deceived me. And I began to lust. I think like everyone, again, this is a common experience among mankind. You lust in some capacity, male and female. And I had failed God. And the enemy convinced me that I wasn't just someone who failed, but I was a failure. But because all of these people had said such incredible things about me, he convinced me that I couldn't expose or confess my sin or tell anybody because I would let a lot of people who looked up to me down. And, and not only that, it convinced me that I would make God look bad. These are lies. These are lies. And if you're living under that pressure today, God wants to set you free. And so you know what I did? Typical Joel. I put the mask on. I lived for years battling sin and, and, and lust inside, but I had to keep up this facade. I was this good Christian, uh, sold-out Christian guy. How many of you guys know we could, you can sit in a church service like this, but you can be dealing with some heavy stuff inside. You can be dealing with some shame inside. Man, I lived for years under that. I'm not proud of that. That was miserable. It was terrible. It wasn't until I went to college uh, and I was sitting with a group of guys. They were Christian guys. And we were just cutting up. And one of the guys was like, hey, man, can I share something that I've been struggling with? And like, bro, I, I was like shocked. I was like, wait, people talk about this kind of stuff? Like, Joker took the mask off, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. All of a sudden, the other guys in this group started to take their masks off. I've been dealing with this. I've been dealing with this. I've been struggling with this. It was all the same stuff. And for the first time in my life, I realized, you know what? I can take the mask off. I can take it off. I can let people know what I've been dealing with. And you know what happened? It's crazy. I confessed this sin, and I gave it to God. I just repent. God, forgive me. And, man, a healing process happened in my life, a healing process. I didn't have to live under the shame anymore. It's like the enemy had convinced me that my identity wasn't in God, but it was in my shame. And in fact, I was hiding. And some of you may be dealing with that today. You may, have, you may be dealing with serious shame and guilt inside, and the enemy's got you down. But I want to tell you, today could be the day you take that mask off. You take them labels off of you, and you walk in freedom. I want to read some things. I don't have uh, anything on the screen for this, but I want to read to you uh, just some I am statements, some things that you can hang on to. If that's you today and you're struggling with your identity, the enemy's holding you down, I want to I wanna share these verses with you <coughs> and uh, just, kind of, just kind of take it in. Ephesians 2.5, I am alive in Christ. Romans 8.2, I am free from the law of sin and death. Isaiah 54, 14, I am far from oppression, and fear does not come near me. 1 John 5, 18, I am born of God, and the evil one does not touch me. Ephesians 1, 4, I am holy and without blame before him in love. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, I have the mind of Christ. Ephesians 2, 10, I am God's workmanship, created in Christ unto good works. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am a new creature in Christ. Romans 6.11, I am a spirit being alive to God. 2 Corinthians 4.4, I am a believer, and the light of the gospel shines in my 
mind. James 1.22, I am a doer of the word and blessed in my actions. Romans 8.17, I am a joint heir with Christ. Romans 8.37, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.20, I am an ambassador for Christ. I got like two more pages of that. If you're someone who is who has followed Jesus, Peter walked with Jesus for three years, right? And you're someone who has walked with Jesus, but somewhere along the way, there sin entered your life and you are battling with shame. God wants to redeem you. He wants to bring you close to him again. And he wants you to understand where your true identity lies in him. And the cool thing is, is Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he said this, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I am sending And he called the Holy Spirit an advocate. In Revelation, they call the enemy the accuser. So there's an accuser and an advocate. You know what advocate means? It means defender. So if you're struggling today with masks and you're struggling with these labels that maybe someone put on you or you put on because of your poor decisions, whatever you're dealing with, I want you to know that there's a God that loves you and there's the Holy Spirit that wants to defend you from the enemy. Amen. He doesn't leave us as orphans. That's what the scripture says. Luckily, Peter's story doesn't end here. Remember, he's outside weeping bitterly. It doesn't end here. There's another part to his story. Peter, after Jesus was crucified and ascended into heaven, Peter is devastated. He betrayed him. He denied him. And now he's hanging out with the disciples. He does something interesting here. He says, hey, guys, I'm going fishing. Remember when he started strong? He he left all that behind. And comment, the commentaries that I've read say that by him saying he's going fishing, he's taking up that old lifestyle, what's comfortable. I was talking to my friend Natalie Powell, and she was talking about, she said it's like you have that pile of old clothes you want to get rid of, right? And then you, you, you wear all the clean clothes, and then you, you, you tempted to go back, you know, to those old clothes that got the holes in and they smell bad, they're comfortable. It's kind of what Peter's doing here. He's kind of going back to what he knew, and he even convinced the other disciples to do the same, and they go fishing. They have the worst day of fishing ever. They don't catch anything until Jesus shows up, and Jesus says, hey, why don't you you put on the side, and they they go fishing, and they catch all these fish. Again, Jesus is awesome like that. He says, why don't y'all bring him in? They bring him in, and as they're coming in, they didn't realize it was Jesus yet, and John says, hey, Peter, it's our Lord. Peter does something weird. He puts his clothes on, the scripture says. Why, why would you put clothes on to jump in the water? He jumps out of a boat, again, typical Peter, and he goes to Jesus with all his clothes on. <laughs> and he gets there, and the disciples show up, and then he's, Jesus says, why don't you get all the fish out the boat? And Peter, typical Peter, he's the first one. He's like, all right, he takes off and goes and gets all the fish and brings it to the shore. Immediately after that, we see an incredibly intimate moment with a broken man who has a moment with Jesus. If you don't hear anything I say today, listen to this last part of the story. I'm going to read from John 21, 15 through 19. When Jesus, or excuse me, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. He told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, 
uh, he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. And then he says a few more things. And then at the very end, in verse 19, he says, follow me. We see an intimate moment with a broken person before God. Peter and Jesus are at the beach. Man, what what awesome place to be hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus cooks some breakfast. And I wish Jesus would cook me breakfast. And he's on the beach with Peter. And in that moment, he asked Peter a very important question. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. <clears throat> I, I feel like he knows Peter. Asks him the third time, no, 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 Peter, I, I don't need a half-hearted you. I need all of you. I need you to be all in. Peter, do you love me? Do you agape love me? He's like, Lord, yes, I love you. He says, shepherd my sheep. And a third time, Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord. And it says the third time he was grieved. Remember, Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus is restoring his life by asking him three times, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And one of the things that I think is so interesting about this passage, remember, Peter and Jesus have history. You may have history with Jesus. And he doesn't say, do you love me? Of course I love you, Lord. Well, let's start back at the beginning. He says something interesting. He says, feed my sheep. He says, let's get to work. Let's get to work. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Let's get to work. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Let's get to work. And this morning, I can't help but think that maybe there's some people in here and you guys have been carrying shame and you've been hiding behind the mask and the enemy's been holding you down. And today God wants to, God wants to take that from you. He wants to, and he, and he might be asking you, do you love me? Because he wants to know, are you all in with me? And today he may be saying, let's get to work. This morning, uh, the band, you guys can come on out. We're going to have a time of prayer. And uh, I want to invite you guys to pray. If you're a person who would say this morning, you know what? I've never even really had an experience with Jesus where my life was transformed. I, I, I don't even know what it's like to even be in Peter's shoes and to follow him. I want to encourage you to be brave this morning and, and be courageous. And I want you to pray to the Lord. Jesus, or in the scripture, it says that Peter and the disciples, the sons of Zebedee, they left everything. They left their past. They left their shame. They left everything they were dealing with. They left toxic environment. They left what they had and they followed him. They chased after something better. This morning, I want to encourage you to chase after something better and cry out to God. Recognize him as your Lord and Savior and give your life to him today. And then there might be a second person in here who has walked with Jesus. And somewhere along the way, the enemy got at you and you began to believe that your identity was in your failure and that you became a, that you believed the lie that you were a failure or whatever the enemy put on you. God wants to take that away from you. He wants to restore you like he did Peter. He wants you to live in that freedom. Peter goes on to be one of the most incredible people in history and he was broken just like you and me. 
just know God wants to do something in your life and he has a call on your life and a purpose for your life. And if we're going to be the, ch- the church that God uses to reach our community and our city, we have to be close to Jesus. We can't be walking and following him from a distance. We've got to be close with him. This morning, if you're someone who's walked with him and now you've kind of given in to sin and you failed and now enemy's holding you down and Jesus is saying, do you love me? Answer him today. Yes, Lord. And then get to work. It says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And our city is full of hurting people who need to hear the gospel. The band's going to play this morning. If that's you, I want to encourage you to pray today. We're going we're gonna to have some people that to pray with you. I'm going to be right down here. I would love to pray with you. But if you just need to pray by yourself, feel free to just use your seat as an altar. Whatever you got to do to get to Jesus. Today's your day. Let's pray.